Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. We begin tonight keeping them honest with President Trump's claim that someone else doesn't have his facts straight and that people should really think before they speak. Pot, meat, kettle. It's all part of the damage control from the damage control over the president's payments to repay the payment for Stormy Daniels' silence. And as confusing as that might sound, it is actually it's a model of clarity compared to where all today's damage control leaves our understanding of actually what happened. So it all became necessary, as you know, when Rudy Giuliani, who, remember, was brought in to help clean up the president's legal mess, made a bigger and more rambling mess out of the Stormy Daniels story. Until now, at least Michael Cohen's story was clear. It wasn't plausible, wasn't believable, but it was at least relatively coherent. To recap, Michael Cohen and his surrogates on TV had been claiming for months that Michael Cohen, the president's attorney, facilitated, as Cohen put it, a $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels, who says she had an affair with the president 12 years ago. Now, the money came out of Cohen's pocket, allegedly taken from a home equity line of credit, we were told, The president had not repaid it. In fact, Mr. Trump knew nothing about it, they claimed. And despite coming as it did in the closing days of the campaign, the payment supposedly had absolutely nothing to do with the election. Nothing to do with squelching an embarrassing story just 11 days before the election. Then on Wednesday night, Rudy Giuliani went on Fox and said this to Sean Hannity about the Daniels payoff. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So they funneled it through the law firm, funneled through the law firm and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. Yeah. The president repaid Cohen, he said, so that that was the damage control. And it's a sign of how well it played that Mr. Giuliani was back on Fox the very next morning to try to clean up his mess, except he didn't. He made an even bigger mess because he blew a hole in perhaps the most important claim that Michael Cohen had been making that the original hush payment had nothing to do with the election. Q, Legal Eagle, Rudy Giuliani. Imagine if that came out on October 15th, 2016, sure. yeah, in the was. middle of the you know, last debate. Cohen payment. didn't even ask. Uh, Cohen, didn't, Cohen made it go away. He did his job. Imagine. Imagine if it came out then. Just like that, Michael Cohen's claim that it was just a coincidence this happened less than two weeks before the election became even more laughable. Now, remember, Cohen had said he could have made the payment months before, but just happened to do it when he did it. Just a short time after that Fox appearance, as all this was blowing up, Mayor Giuliani told CNN he had, quote, carefully coordinated with the president on his Hannity appearance. Quote, you won't see any daylight between me and the president, he said. So then yesterday, the president put out that string of tweets, which were in very lawyerly language, expanding on what Giuliani had laid out. Today, though, the coordination broke down. First on the South Lawn and then at Joint Base Andrews, the president, knowingly or not, made a stunning admission. His surrogate, while nice enough, had his facts wrong. He started yesterday. Uh, He'll get his facts straight. He's a great guy. 
But what he does is he feels it's a very bad thing for our country, and he happens to do it. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. When Rudy made the statements, Rudy's great, but Rudy had just started, and he wasn't totally familiar with every, you know, with everything. And Rudy, we love Rudy. He's a special guy. What he really understands is that this is a witch hunt. He understands that probably better than anybody. So the president of the United States sent out his lawyer who didn't have the facts straight, who had just started to clean up the mess with full confidence. He did not say uh, exactly about what Rudy Giuliani did not have, have his facts straight about. And Giuliani did not clarify matters with a statement late today. Quote, there is no campaign violation, it reads. The payment was made to resolve a personal and false allegation in order to protect the president's family. It would have been done in any event, whether he was a candidate or not. My references to timing were not describing my understanding of the president's knowledge, but instead my understanding of these matters. Now, maybe it's because I did not go to law school, but I have no idea what that last sentence means. Quote, my references to timing were not describing my understanding of the president's knowledge, but instead my understanding of these matters. Giuliani was apparently referring to his claim on Fox and Friends yesterday that the president only fully learned about his repayments to Cohen, monthly bills totaling nearly half a million dollars, very recently. That he didn't know the details of this until we knew the details of it, which is a couple of weeks ago. Uh, maybe not even a couple, maybe 10 days ago. Okay, wait a minute. So, so Rudy Giuliani is saying that neither he nor the president explained, I mean, they neither explained how it could be that the president, who's not known as someone who throws his money around loosely or sometimes at all, could have been paying all that money without knowing what it was for and didn't learn about what it was for until 10 days ago. So when the lawsuit was filed against him and Michael Cohen, he never asked anyone about what had happened. When he watched Stormy Daniels on 60 Minutes, along with some 20 other million people, he never asked anyone if he had repaid Michael Cohen. That just seems hard to believe. This morning, the president refused to clarify. Well, you're going to find out because, you know, we're going to give a full list and people know and virtually everything said has been said incorrectly and it's been said wrong or it's been covered wrong by the press, just like NBC and ABC yesterday covered the story wrong. So, uh, but you'll be finding out. It's very, it's actually, wait a minute, it's actually very simple. It's actually very simple. But there has been a lot of misinformation, really, people wanting to say and I say, you know what? Learn before you speak. It's a lot easier. Learn before you speak. It's a lot easier. The president says it's actually very simple. You would think if it's so simple, Rudy Giuliani would have cleared it up in his multiple TV appearances or his multiple published statements. At least you now know the president is someone who believes in thinking before speaking and that not having the facts is a shortcoming. Except, of course, when it comes to more than 3,000 false or misleading statements he's made since taking office, according to The Washington Post, including this one just today. In all fairness, Bob Mueller worked for Obama for eight years. That's Republican Robert Mueller, nominated as FBI director by Republican President George W. Bush, who subsequently served five years in the Obama administration. Always good to have your facts straight. Now it seems he cannot even keep his story straight. Sources tell us that the White House legal team is calling Rudy Giuliani's performance a fiasco, though apparently they're using stronger language than that. The word uh, they're using runs with hit show. And here's the cherry on top. The one person, other than the president, perhaps, who truly knows everything, says Rudy Giuliani doesn't know what he's talking about. We're talking about Michael Cohen talking to his friend Donnie Deutsch. According to Donnie Deutsch, quote, 
He said, look, there's two people that know exactly what happened, myself and the president, and you'll be hearing my side of the story. More now on how the White House is handling all of this or mishandling. CNN's Pamela Brown joins us with that. So, Pamela, the president saying Giuliani needs to get his facts straight. According to your sources, how prepared was he before he went on Fox? Well, not prepared at all, uh, Anderson. I'm told by a source familiar with the matter that he had very little information before he went out on Fox to discuss the Stormy Daniels matter, that uh, he wasn't fully briefed up on all the details. He hadn't looked at paperwork surrounding the case, surrounding these uh, payments and the repayment. Um, And so essentially he was winging it and flying blind in a sense uh, without having all of the facts. Uh, But as you pointed out, Anderson, Rudy Giuliani said uh, that he had coordinated this with the president, but yet then the president came out today and undermined uh, Rudy Giuliani, saying that he needs to get his facts straight before he goes out there and talks. He wasn't specific on how he needs to get his facts straight and, um, you know, whether he really did coordinate with Rudy Giuliani. He also sort of tried to explain it away, Anderson, by saying he just started. Look, he's brand new. He went out there, just started, give him a break kind of thing. Well, look, um, he started a couple of weeks ago, Anderson, he's already met with Robert Mahler's team. Rudy Giuliani uh, didn't just start when he gave that Fox News interview. Also, I mean, there's no there was no reason he had to go on Fox News on that day to do this. So you would think if they're choosing to send him out on Fox News um, that he would have read some papers about it. What is behind? I mean, do we know what's behind the shifting stories? Right. And and on top of that, let's remember uh, Rudy Giuliani isn't wasn't brought on board to be part of the Stormy Daniels case. I mean, all of that dealing with Michael Cohen, the payment, so forth, that's run out of New York. Rudy Giuliani was brought on uh, to represent the president in the Robert Mueller investigation, which makes it even more puzzling that he would go on and uh, just bring up these these details that uh, only added confusion. It does seem like there are shifting stories. The president came out today and said the story hasn't changed at all. But best case scenario is it just created a lot of confusion because the president had said aboard Air Force One he didn't know about the payment Michael Cohen made to Stormy Daniels. Then you have his attorney going on Fox News a couple days ago saying that the president had repaid Michael Cohen for that payment. Uh, And then we just saw cleanup ever since with that interview raising questions about uh, whether the president lied and whether this was a campaign uh, finance violation because it wasn't reported to the FEC. And then you had Rudy Giuliani himself attempting to clean up with the statement he released today, Anderson, um, saying that there is no campaign violation, that the it would have been made whether the president was a candidate or not. And then going on to say the references to Tommy were not describing my understanding of the president's knowledge. But yet he said he coordinated with the president, Anderson. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's baffling. Pam Brown, thanks. Two legal views now from Harvard Law School's Alan Dershowitz, also Obama White House ethics czar and former ambassador to the Czech Republic, Norm Eisen. Professor Dershowitz is author of many books, most recently trumped up how criminalization of political differences endangers democracy. Professor Dershowitz, I mean, every day there is a shifting explanation and just more confusion when it comes to the Stormy Daniels payment. Is it even clear to you at this point what the president's official story is? And has this back and forth with Rudy Giuliani opened him up to even more legal exposure? Well, it certainly exposes him to criticism. They have not been speaking with one voice or presenting one clear narrative. I think the best narrative they have, don't know whether it's true or not, is that 
This guy, Cohn, was on retainer. He was the fixer. He was paid $35,000 a month to fix up all the problems. And at the end of the year, they would true up and find out if he paid more than he got. And the president didn't want to know specifics about any particular cases. He just wanted everything to be fixed. Uh, You know, that really does create uh, more political problems than it does legal problems. I mean, he has put his client in greater legal jeopardy. And also, I just don't even understand, and I'm not sure they even understand what their stories are. Giuliani says, absolutely, this had to do with the campaign. Then today he said, you know, no, it didn't. And then he said also yesterday that the president only found out 10 days ago, which is just ludicrous. On the campaign finance argument, he exposed Trump now to being part of a conspiracy uh, with uh, uh, with with Michael Cohen, he even hinted that it had to do with the uh, election when he went on Fox and Friends and talked about how it would have looked if it came out in October. He exposed Mr. Trump to a felony charge for filing false presidential financial statements because he admitted that there was a debt to Mr. Cohen that Mr. Trump knew about it, paid it back. It wasn't on his forms that he filed, and then. Perhaps worst of all, most telling of all, on the obstruction front, he came up with a third and yet a different story that uh, Trump uh, wanted Comey uh, to exonerate him. Well, that's pressing for a change in the investigation before it's done. That implicates on obstruction as well as the changing stories. What a disaster. Professor Dershowitz, I mean, to to Giuliani's point that this, uh, you know, the, making this payment that if it had been known during the campaign uh, that, you know, it would have been uh, it would have been terrible for for the campaign. That flies in the face of everything that Michael Cohen has said. Michael Cohen's supporters have said their whole line has been all along as incredulous and ridiculous as it sounded when they were saying it. This had nothing to do with the campaign, even though this deal was done 11 days before the election. Well, nobody would believe that. That's not credible. The only credible story they could tell, which would be helpful, would be to say, look, mixed motives. Uh, He obviously didn't want his wife to find out about this. He didn't want his children to find out about this. And he didn't want the American public to find out about this. So all of these things were relevant to why Cohen paid the money so that she wouldn't announce. But it was 15 days before the election. And the idea that maybe they didn't tell the president about this 15 days before the election, here's an event that could undo his campaign and he doesn't get to know about it. It just flies in the face of credulity. Well, also, Ambassador, the idea that Michael Cohen is on this sort of permanent retainer, although the president said he did very little legal work for for, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, that he's on this permanent retainer, he just gets this money, and that Mr. Trump doesn't know anything about what he's doing. I can understand maybe not wanting to get involved in the details as they're happening, but the idea that his attorney would not at least call him up and say, you know what, that Stormy Daniels issue, we took care of it, Uh, it was only $130,000, there's this other thing. I mean, the idea that he wasn't informing him along the way now just seems ludicrous. Uh, Anderson, it's just silly. They've tied themselves into a pretzel in order to cover for the president's statement on Air Force One standing there in the doorway of the cabin unequivocally that he didn't know about the payments. Now they they have to tie themselves into a pretzel. Uh, They are simultaneously saying that the president, who once won a spy magazine contest for the cheapest celebrity in America, I believe he cashed a check for 13 cents, that he's going to dish out 35 grand a month without knowing why? It's absurd. I want to give Alan some credit because uh, in 
acknowledging how ridiculous it is that uh, the president wouldn't know about this event from the get-go. He's playing it straight. Of course the president knew about this. The problem is that, as Alan admits, uh, the reality puts the president in deep, deep legal jeopardy. Giuliani violated Alan. Giuliani violated the first rule you taught me almost 30 years ago. First, do no, no harm. harm. But Norm, don't give me credit. I'm not on Trump's side. I'm not trying to help Trump. I'm trying to tell the American public what the law is and what the truth is. I have to tell you that I really do think that if they had played this straight from the very beginning, what he did was probably not illegal. When you get to hear that there's this going to come out before the election and you know it will hurt your family, you know it will hurt your standing, if the president had been straight and paid the money directly in order to avoid this coming out, there'd be no crime here. Uh, there'd be no uh, violation of election laws. There'd be no violation of any other kind of laws. It's the story that gets them into increasing difficulties because they don't have a single voice. And the other thing I hope I taught you is when you're representing somebody in a very complicated case, you have to speak with one voice. It has to be a single narrative. It has to be clear and unambiguous. It should be in writing. It shouldn't be off the cuff. It shouldn't be in Hannity on television. And it shouldn't be this guy saying one thing and the people in the White House learning about it by watching it on television. This has been terribly mishandled. But I'm not admitting anything, Norm. I'm saying it because I'm not on his side. Professor Dershowitz, Ambassador Eisen, thanks very much. Well, there is a political dimension, obviously, to all this, and it's making even Republicans a bit queasy, at least retiring moderate Republicans from traditionally blue states. Pennsylvania Congressman Charlie Dent, for one, let's put the shoe on the other foot. He said yesterday, quote, if a Democratic president had paid off a porn star to keep quiet while he was president, I suspect we'd have oversight hearings, and I suspect there should be some oversight hearings to get to the bottom of this. I spoke with the congressman earlier this evening. Congressman, I know you think Congress should hold hearings to get to the bottom of the payment to Stormy Daniels. Can you explain why you think it's Congress's business to investigate? Well, Anderson, uh, I would clarify what I said the other night. I said, had the shoe been on the other foot, had a Democratic president, you know, paid off, you know, a porn star for $130,000, uh, I'm sure we as Republicans would be holding hearing, hearings ad nauseum. And, and I, I'm not really crazy about the idea of hearings, although I think there's probably some level of oversight. I think committees may want to inquire about what exactly happened here. The bigger issue, in my view, is credibility. Uh, on the one hand, you know, the administration had repeatedly stated uh, that uh, Michael Cohen did this on his own, when, frankly, very few people believe that. I know very few people who thought that Michael Cohen, out of the goodness of his heart, uh, paid uh, uh, p- paid the settlement out of his own pocket without the expectation of of reimbursement, and of course, then then it was divulged by Rudy Giuliani, and I believe exactly what he said, and which was that um, he was in fact uh, Cohen was in fact reimbursed. So I think this is really a bigger credibility issue for the president, yeah, more than anything else. The president this morning said that when it comes to Rudy Giuliani, he'll quote get his facts right. The president didn't clarify exactly what Giuliani had gotten wrong. I'm wondering how you interpret what the president is saying. Uh, I, yeah, that's kind of a, that's a bit of a head spinner to me. I, I've known Rudy Giuliani for many years, and by full disclosure, I was one of the first people to endorse him, members of Congress, when he ran for president in 2008. I have a high regard for the mayor, the great job he did in New York City uh, when, when he served there. And uh, so I, I think Rudy Giuliani was basically uh, speaking truth 
as he understood it. You know, maybe he didn't say it as artfully as he as he did in his statement today. But I'm I'm not sure exactly what Rudy Giuliani said the other day that was incorrect. Well, and, you know, and then he released another statement today, I guess, in an effort, as he put it, to, to clarify what he had said over the past few days, which if you have to release a statement to clarify what you've been saying for the last few days, that's never a good thing. But he said, quote, my references to timing were not describing my understanding of the president's knowledge, but instead my understanding of these matters. Does that clear up anything for you? Because I've now read that several times and I still don't quite understand what it means. Now, I was trying to understand that, too. I mean, I think the, the, the basic issue that he conveyed uh, uh, the other night and then, and then again today didn't change it, which, which, was, which was this, uh, that Michael Cohen received reimbursement for the payment to Stormy Daniels. That's the fact. And, and, but the truth is there are, the president and others in his administration, the uh, press secretary and others, had stated just the opposite, that he had no knowledge, and the president made a statement on Air Force One that he didn't seem to have any knowledge or awareness of the whole situation. And so it, I think that's really what the issue is. It comes back to the credibility issue. Yeah. Uh, why, why would he have not, why, why would they have denied that any knowledge of this when, in fact, they did, they did know? What do you, I mean, just in kind of big picture, what do you think is going on here? I mean, is, is the president lying? Is Rudy Giuliani lying? Uh, are they both lying? I mean, it just seems they're, they've twisted themselves into to pretzels here. No, I, I think Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani was being truthful. I, when, the other night, I, maybe maybe he wasn't, again, wasn't as artful or as delicate as he needed to be in his presentation. But again, the bottom line is that, that uh, Michael Cohen was reimbursed, apparently by the president, with individual money, not, not campaign money or corporate money, but his personal money. Uh, he reimbursed Michael Cohen. I mean, that's the story. And I, I always felt that was the case. And I don't know anybody... You know, in the, I, I can't imagine many people in the country actually thought that, you know, Michael Cohen, you know, was going to, pay, you know, pay a settlement on behalf of his client without the expectation of reimbursement. Yeah. I just never heard of any lawyer who would do that. Congressman Dan, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Anderson. Great to be with you as always. Oh, we'll have more on this after the break, including the big picture from legendary investigative reporter Carl Bernstein, who's been out ahead of this story from day one. And later, a live report from Hawaii's Big Island, where a large earthquake just hit and a volcano continues to erupt. Extraordinary images we'll show you ahead. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics, starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. We're talking tonight about how little we still know about the circumstances surrounding the deal to silence Stormy Daniels, the shifting accounts, the statements clarifying nothing, and the larger sense of chaos surrounding it. A source familiar with the situation telling CNN the team is, quote, calling it one play at a time. It's as if the players are executing the plays on their own. Joining us to talk about it, CNN political analyst, best-selling author, and investigative reporter, Carl Bernstein. So, Carl, the third point in Giuliani's statement today was about the president's firing of James Comey. Giuliani wrote that the dismissal of Director Comey, an inferior executive officer, was clearly within the president's Article II power. While that's certainly true, earlier this week, Giuliani said that Comey was fired because he wouldn't publicly acknowledge that the president wasn't under investigation. I'm wondering what you make of the evolving explanation here. 
I, I think that what we're seeing all together is lying, covering up, cover stories, and contempt for the rule of law, again by the president of the United States, now by Rudy Giuliani, by Mr. Cohen, and it's indicative of this president and this presidency's approach to everything having to do with the Mueller in, uh, investigation and the consequential Stormy Daniels investigation coming from the Mueller investigation, as it were. And we are looking at lie after lie after lie and cover story after cover story after cover story invented by the president, invented by Giuliani, invented by Mr. Cohen. The question is, when is the president and the people around him going to say, hey, we're here to tell the truth. Here's what happened about Stormy Daniels, but more importantly, in the Russia investigation. I mean, the president is certainly no shrinking violent when it comes to going after Comey. But if he and his legal team weren't worried about Comey's firing, do you think Giuliani would have included that line in his statement today? Rudy Giuliani is capable of being so reckless, as we have seen uh, throughout the campaign, uh, and as we are seeing now, that it's very difficult to parse what he is doing and saying, except that he's trying to throw bombs into the Mueller investigation. Uh, and that with his partner in this, the president of the United States, he's trying to satisfy what the president of the United States wants him to do to help undermine and discredit the Mueller investigation, the Stormy Daniels investigation, where they come together. Uh, the object of the president of the United States, who has lost on a scale that no president uh, in modern times that anybody has heard of uh, about all things big and little, but particularly about this investigation of his conduct and the question of Russian collusion and the cover-up that has been going on in the White House, whether it's an obstruction of justice or not. That's the bottom line issue in all of this, including what we've seen uh, on Hannity, uh, with Giuliani there and including what we've seen in these attempts to walk back these cover stories. It's yeah. all about lying and well, contempt I mean, for the rule of the law. And, and I mean, this morning, the president said that Giuliani will get his facts straight when it comes to Stormy Daniels and the That and means the a cover story. Another yeah. cover story. What does it mean, his facts straight? I can't believe, as the congressman just noted, I know of no serious Republicans that I've talked to who believe anything yeah. about Carl, the non-disclosure hey, story. I gotta, I'm sorry, i got to interrupt. Sorry. Hang on one second. There's breaking news. We'll come back to you right now on Michael Cohen and money. It comes from the Wall Street Journal's uh, Michael Rothfeld. The headline, U.S. probes Cohen over cash he built up during campaign. Trump's lawyer took out lines of credit to secure access to as much as $774,000 as race heated up. Michael Rothfeld joins us uh, on the phone. So, Michael, uh, this has literally just uh, been posted. I haven't been able to read the article. Explain what you have learned. Uh, hi, Anderson. What we reported is that uh, Michael Cohen doubled his home equity line right as Donald Trump was uh, in the height of his political fortunes rising and going into the primary campaign in February 2016. So he closed off his uh, existing home equity line of 255000 and took out a $500,000 home equity line. And uh, we know that he said he used part of that to pay Stormy Daniels uh, nine months after that. And uh, furthermore, Rudy Giuliani said this week that uh, Michael Cohen settled other things for Donald Trump. We don't know whether he used the home equity line for that as well. So it's interesting. I mean, Again, Michael Cohen has all along said that, you know, he did this on his own without consultation with Donald Trump. This does sound, though, like a far more organized and premeditated, pre-thought-out 
plan to get a pool of money. Is, is that a correct reading? Uh, it certainly seems that way. I mean, he, uh, as I said, he, um, he took out an additional $250,000 in ability to borrow against his apartment right at the time when Trump was going into the Republican primaries and successfully he's been holding a lead against uh, his, you know, more experienced rivals. So it indicates that Cohen may have been looking to uh, have a, a stash of cash on hand, essentially, to settle problems with throughout the campaign. And we've reported that tonight also that the Southern District is looking at that more broadly in terms of Cohen's ability to raise money, like how was he raising money through uh, his own personal assets, like in taxi medallions and real estate, potentially to use that for settling problems for Trump. Uh, and whether any laws were broken in that regard. Um, the other thing that we reported in this story is that um, in uh, November of 2015, Cohen co-signed with his in-laws uh, a mortgage in which they took $529,000 in cash out of an apartment at a Trump building. Um, so essentially they got $500,000 uh, three months earlier than that. We don't know how that money was used, but again, the prosecutors are kind of looking at Cohen's cash flows, generally speaking, and how he used the money that was available to him. Uh, obviously, you are just reporting what you know, and I don't want to go down the road of, of speculation here, um, but it just is highly, it seems highly unusual. I mean, it was highly unusual when Michael Cohen said that he took out a home and equity line of credit for the $130,000. It seems even more unusual that an attorney for somebody for a, a, a billionaire like uh, like Mr. Trump would stockpile his own money uh, during a campaign. If I mean, if the idea was to have this pool of money in order to handle things, it, it sounds like the pool of money would be to handle things without uh, any association directly to Mr. Trump. Yeah, and that's what's being investigated, essentially. Like, was Cohen doing these things um, kind of uh, to keep anyone from finding out? And, uh, I mean, he has said, I mean, yes, you're right. It's absolutely an unorthodox way to do things. I mean, period. A lawyer, you know, taking money off a home equity line to pay a former porn star is obviously not something that most lawyers would do, especially when, I mean, they essentially send their client a bill and say, um, you have to pay this money. Um, so that's definitely unorthodox. But, um, you know, it, it appears that Cohen was, uh, at least what's being investigated is what was he doing, um, you know, secretly, essentially. Yeah. I mean, uh, so that's that's where we are. Right. And, and if it's unusual for an attorney to, to take $130,000 out for a particular deal, it's even more unusual for an attorney to, in advance, you know, refinance his life, basically, in order to get a pool of money for whatever else may be coming down the pike during a, an election. I mean, it's it's really unheard of. I've never heard of an attorney, let alone doing one deal using the home equity line, but but sort of stockpiling money for an effort uh, is just extraordinary. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but, we, you know, again, we have to say we don't know. If, so we know he, what he said he used, 130. Um, that would have allowed him another 100 change on the home equity line. We don't know how that money might have been used um, and whether he used it for anything other right. than that that you might traditionally use for a home equity line. Yeah. Michael Rothfeld, fascinating from the Wall Street Journal uh, online now. Thank you. Uh, Carl Bernstein, what, what do you make of this? Again, this is just breaking as, as we've been talking. That once again, the key to all of these investigations is follow the money and follow the lies. And particularly when it comes to Michael Cohen and his relationship to the president of the United States. It's clear by now from what we know that Cohen is 
absolutely essential to what the Mueller investigation is doing, as well as the Southern District investigation in New York, that his use of funds on behalf of Donald Trump is going to be a big part of an ongoing story. And there's something else of great significance, and that is the role of the Wall Street Journal here. We keep hearing about fake news from the president of the United States throughout this uh, investigation. In fact, the Wall Street Journal with the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, but the Wall Street Journal, which is owned by Trump's friend uh, Rupert Murdoch, has done great reporting, not fake news, throughout this uh, year. And I think we need to take a look at that, too, as part of the story right now tonight, because what we are seeing is the effort by Donald Trump while these investigations are closing in on him in New York, in Washington, with Mueller to undermine and throttle and overwhelm the duly constituted rule of law and investigations by uh, the special prosecutor. And now here again, we see where these investigations appear to be going. And that includes the suggestions that we have of collusion. And we don't know if Michael Cohen figures in investigation of collusion or not. We know his travels are being looked at in Eastern Europe by the special prosecutor. So enough of the fake news. Yeah. Uh, uh, Coming up next, more from Carl. We'll also be joined as well by Gloria Borger. Later, the president speaks to the NRA just a few months after he said he was open to changing gun laws in the wake of the Parkland shooting. Obviously, a much different tone today. We'll hear what he said, plus speak with two of the Parkland uh, school survivors next. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Before the break, we spoke with The Wall Street Journal's uh, Michael Rothfeld, who has just been reporting that Michael Cohen was stockpiling money, expanding his home equity line of credit, building up more than three quarters of a million dollars during the campaign to fix problems uh, for uh, candidate uh, Trump. We know at least of the Stormy Daniels payment. It's unclear what the other uh, money was for. Back with Carl Bernstein and joining us as well as CNN chief political analyst Gloria Borger. Um, We should say we don't know what he used the rest of this money for, whether it was something relating to President Trump or or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but certainly the timing of all this is really interesting. Right. That's what's the most interesting thing to me, aside from the large amount of the sums, of course, of money here, is the timing in the Wall Street Journal piece, which is that the money that Cohen started uh, receiving was around February 2016, which, as we both know, having been there, was when his uh, fortunes and his poll numbers started to rise as a presidential candidate. We know that he won the New Hampshire primary on February 9th, for example, and he became suddenly a serious uh, candidate out of all of these 17 candidates, and nobody was dismissing him anymore. So, you know, the question you have to raise is that We always thought this was a campaign, and I've been told this by people um, in the campaign. You know, we never expected to win. We never expected to win. Um, And suddenly, when he became a serious candidate, well, maybe they did expect to win, and maybe there were other things that had to be dealt with. I mean, I'm jumping to a conclusion here, and I shouldn't because this is not my reporting, but I think you have to ask the question about uh, why anyone would need access to the cash, and I think they're going to be looking into, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, bank fraud about whether Cohn was misstating uh, the reasons he needed the money. Right. I mean, Carl, if if the money was for, I mean, we know $130,000 of that home equity line was for the Stormy Daniels p- uh, payment, ultimately, uh, which, uh, w- you know, but if 
if the money was for other things related to candidate Trump, um, it does raise the question, why was this attorney doing this with his own money instead of just having Mr. Trump set aside a certain amount of money uh, for him to operate with? And, and I assume the answer to that would be to have some deniability between the two. This has, from the Wall Street Journal account, all the appearances of a campaign slush fund uh, to pay for nefarious acts that the candidate did not know, want, did not want known, uh, and the payments were made through his fixer. That is what the Wall Street Journal story points toward. And it's very interesting because in Watergate, the key to Watergate that really broke everything open was the discovery of a slush fund uh, that was used for nefarious purposes, that was meant to be hidden, uh, and it carried out the wishes of the candidate. Now, that I don't want to speculate on where this is going to go, what it means, but it is all part of a pattern that we are seeing in this investigation and why from the beginning, Michael Cohen has been key to everything having to do with nefarious activities in the Trump campaign and also figures in the Russian investigation. And so these matters are coming together now as more and more reporting is being done by the Wall Street Journal and other news organizations about a special prosecutor. Let me just push back on that a little bit. A, you used the term nefarious. We don't know. I mean, you know, signing an NDA with Stormy Daniels, that's not necessarily that's not nefarious. Um, So we don't know what beyond the one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for Stormy Daniels uh, for the NDA. We don't know what the rest of this money was actually. for. But I I think we could characterize, uh, given what we know about the NDA with with Stormy Daniels, that this would fall into the nefarious category, certainly until shown, shown otherwise. Uh, All I'm suggesting here is, is the presence of what the Wall Street Journal story would seem to have identified as what really looks, has the appearance of a slush fund. And, 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 you know, by the way, Anderson, when when Michael Cohen said that he paid for the $130,000 out of his own out of his own pocket, this Wall Street Journal story may actually prove that, that in fact he did. And that, in fact, he may have taken care of other business with this. I mean, we don't know the reasons he took all this right. money the, out, the, but it may prove his point. The assumption all yeah. along was that he took out a home equity line of credit in order to raise the $130,000 to pay Stormy Daniels. But again, this seems to indicate uh, this was done before and raised a lot more money than the $130,000. And raised a lot more money uh, for what reason? We don't know. It could have been right. personal, we, but we, we don't, don't know. know. Uh, Carl Bernstein, thank you, Gloria. We're going to talk more about this uh, with, uh, with you next in the next hour coming up. What the president said to the NRA and what two survivors of the Parkland shooting Think about what he's saying now. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The president reassured the NRA today that he's on their side. He spoke at their annual meeting today, the first time he's addressed the group since the shooting at a Parkland, Florida high school left 17 people dead. In a moment, we're going to talk to two of the student survivors. But first, just let's remember after the shooting what the president promised, promised to get tough, possibly expanding background checks and raising the minimum age for buying certain types of, of rifles. 
It doesn't make sense that I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. So I was just curious as to what you did in your bill. We, you don't address we didn't, it? We didn't address it, Mr. President. Look, I think you know we, why? Because you're afraid of the NRA, right? <laughs> well, fast forward to today. Here's what the president said at the NRA convention in Dallas. Democrats and liberals in Congress want to disarm law-abiding Americans at the same time they're releasing dangerous criminal aliens and savage gang members onto our streets. Your Second Amendment rights are under siege, but they will never, ever be under siege as long as I'm your president. Well, no mention of those changes he had once called for after the shooting. Here's what he said about Parkland. We're working to improve early warning systems so that when the police are called, when the community sees the red flags, which they saw in Parkland all over the place, there has never been a case where more red flags have been shown. Swift action is taken by the authorities. I recently signed legislation that includes more than $2 billion to improve school safety, including the funding for training and metal detectors and security and mental health. Mental health is a big one. They don't like to talk about mental health. Mental health. That was the number one example in part. Well, joining me now, Stoneman Douglas High School students, David Hogg and Cameron Caskey. Uh, thanks for being with us. So, Cameron, we heard from the president shortly after the shooting at your at the high school. Obviously, he struck a very different tone than he did today. Back then, I talked to you. You thought he was heading in the right direction when it came to gun control. What do you think today? Well, you know, he was saying some things that implied that he was stepping forward into the right direction for gun safety in this country. And then he had a meeting with some NRA officials, a private meeting. And afterwards, he came and claimed that the Second Amendment was under siege and he was going to defend it. So as to whether or not the NRA meeting changed his views, uh, that's kind of up to speculation. But I will tell you, that is hopefully the first Russian-funded group he has met with. And I would like to say, I think it really shows what he's doing right now, proves where his heart and his wallet are, and that's in the exact same place. One of the interesting things I thought Trump brought up was how we don't talk about mental health, yet in one of the recent spending bills that they had, they cut mental health spending for schools by over $25 million. That doesn't sound like improving the mental health care system for schools to me. Cameron, you know, uh, when, when the president uh, was in that meeting with Democrats and Republicans, uh, he castigated some of the Republicans saying, you know, you're scared, uh, you're scared of the NRA. Do you believe today he showed that he is scared of the NRA? I think he is very interested in the money that the NRA will bring him and that the NRA, in turn, gets from gun manufacturers. You know, the, gun, the NRA used to boast itself as being an average Joe co- coalition of Americans who are trying to protect their Second Amendment rights. And now you'll see that they are getting a lot of kickbacks from gun manufacturers. So I don't necessarily think Trump is scared of the NRA. I think Trump is very enamored with the financial support that the NRA gives him. I think the people in this situation that are really scared would be the NRA. This is the first time that they've had the president and the vice president at the same time come out to the uh, annual convention for the NRA. And I think what they're seeing here is like they are very worried because of the support that we've been getting and the support that we're going to have in midterms. Because like it or not, we don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. If you're supporting by the NRA, you don't stand with the kids. You stand with the gun manufacturers and the people that are trying to make money off this fear and tragedy that is perpetuating itself. 
And, and David, that's where your focus is now, because there was a lot of you know concern, I, I think, among uh, you know supporters of uh, of gun safety, of gun control, uh, and people who are at the march. That after the march, um, that sort of interest would wane. Your focus is on midterms. Is that right? Exactly. And right now what we're trying to do, uh, we have the ambitious goal of getting 90% of high schoolers registered to vote by June. And that's a big goal that we have set out, but I think it's something that we can do. There's over 26,000 high schools across America, and we need every one of them to sign up uh, through Headcount um, to create their own voter registration drive to ensure that kids can get out and vote regardless of their opinions. Just make sure. I think one thing that we can all support here on both sides of the aisle as Americans is more voter participation, because right now, 18% of I think it's 18 to 24-year-olds participate in midterm elections, and that's unacceptable. And the thing is, this is just simply about doing your civic duty and voting. And we can get a lot of people registered to vote, but the thing is they don't show up at the polls when they need to. So another thing we're focusing on is making voting more accessible, easier, and making sure people are more educated with their vote, making sure that they use the resources that we can so easily access to know who they're voting for, to follow the money, to follow everything that their candidate is doing and have an educated and effective vote to make sure that we're going in the right direction. Mm. Well, Cameron Kasky, uh, David Hobb, guys, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for being with us. Thank, Thank you very much. Up next, we have more breaking news. A disaster erupting on Hawaii's big island, a volcano spewing fiery lava, toxic gas, strong earthquakes in the area are only making matters worse. We'll have the latest from Hawaii when we continue. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of, like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And, of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, we have breaking news from Hawaii's Big Island, a dangerous one-two punch, stunning erupting volcano, and adding to the dangerous series of strong earthquakes, including a magnitude, a magnitude 6.9 uh, tremor uh, just hours ago. The latest now from Stephanie Elam, who's in Hawaii tonight. Volcanic eruption spewing molten rock, ash, and toxic gases onto Hawaii's Big Island. The eruption stemming from a series of cracks in Puo'o'o's rift zone, miles from the Kilauea volcano. Video from earlier this week shows walls of smoke billowing as the vent on Puo'o'o collapses, leaving behind a red, rocky surface similar to that of Mars, with gaping holes giving us a glimpse of the orange liquid magma smoldering below. And this time lapse, shot last week, shows gushing rivers of lava flowing as night turns to day. Residents are fleeing from their homes as forests burn and roads break open. You can feel the heat coming from the ground. Yeah, there's, there's heat coming up out of this. Officials warn that the sulfur dioxide levels are extremely dangerous. They've closed large sections of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. More than 700 structures and 1,700 people are within the mandatory evacuation area. Now we have about 100 people up, up here at the facility, at the shelters. We just got another wave of them that got evacuated because the volcano and, um, ended up erupting more up on the street. Lava is coming out in Leilani, so this is real. At the center of the activity lies the community of Leilani Estates. A resident there captured this lava fountain shooting over 100 feet into the air. 
came down the road, all we heard was a boom. What is that? And then all of a sudden we smelled we smelled the uh, sulfur, sulfur dioxide. We knew something was happening. Within minutes, we seen smoke, and now we see all this lava coming across the street, and um, it's it's pumping right now. So this fissure is opening up, and this is this is our next eruption. The eruptions are part of a massive geological event set off by the collapse of the Pu'o'o crater floor. That collapse led to hundreds of earthquakes this week, which continue to jolt the Big Island. The tough part about this uh, eruption is that it's unpredictable. We don't know which way the lava is going to flow, and we are planning actively for every contingency that we can think of. And that's a really important point there, Anderson. Officials are saying that even the most experienced uh, people who study these volcanoes cannot know where the next fissure may rupture. And they are already dealing with a fourth one that opened in the last couple of hours here. And because of that last 6.9 earthquake, some 14,000 people lost their power. Uh, they're working to get that power back on in those places. But at the same time, they have to watch out for the air quality and also those earthquakes. And of course, if any more fissures open up, Anderson. Yeah, just incredible to see that. Stephanie Elam, thanks very much. Up next, an update on our breaking news tied to the White House. The Wall Street Journal reporting that President Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, uh, was stockpiling money as he sought to fix problems for his boss during the presidential campaign. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.